Welcome to the Glasgow Baptist Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Erdie Carter. We want to help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. Well, let me invite you to take your Bibles and go with me to Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. While you're doing that, let me uh, share a couple things with you. Next Sunday morning, we're going to start a new series uh, from the book of Titus. Uh, Titus has three chapters in it. The series is called A Healthy Church. Paul writes to, the, to Titus. His, uh, Titus. Titus probably deserves the, the uh, servant award for Paul. He's been with Paul for, for many, many years. They've gone and done things. Titus is the one who, who gives him information about the church at Corinth. And then, then Paul uh, establishes Titus at the church there. And it's a, it's a church that has lots going on. And they just, Titus needs to be encouraged. And he needs to take that encouragement to the church. And so in the next uh, few weeks, we're going to look at that, that book. And we're going to encourage you to do that. And here's what I'd ask you to do. It's three chapters. Between now and next Sunday, read those three chapters. And then the following week, read those three chapters again. If you'll do that, as we look through Titus, God will speak to your heart and remind you, and you too would be encouraged. This morning, I want us to look at Mark chapter 14. I know everyone in here has been surprised at some point in time, right? I mean, you got surprised, maybe it was a birthday party, a birthday a retirement celebration, um, surprised when you went to the doctor because you were sick and the doctor said, surprise, you're having a baby. Um, I didn't say all surprises were, were as exciting as, uh, as others, but you, you know, you, you were surprised when your, your children came home and said, hey, we're, you're going to be grandparents, that's a great surprise, that kind of thing. Uh, surprises happen to us all. And surprises can be good and surprises can be bad. But the thing is, they catch us off guard. And when they catch us off guard, we don't know really how to respond. Well, this week, I don't know, I doubt you know the name uh, Champ Peterson, or Peterson, but Champ got a surprise this week. Now, if you are an avid Los Angeles Dodger fan, you probably know this story. Uh, Jock Peterson was a outfielder for the, the Los Angeles Dodgers. Played six seasons for them, was, was very successful. His time came up to go as a free agent, and the Dodgers did not renew his contract. So he went to the Chicago Cubs. But in April of this season, when the Dodgers were celebrating their World Series championship of 2020, they, that Jock wasn't there to be able to get his ring and see the banner. Well, so happens this week. Chicago was in Los Angeles and they were playing. And before the game, they, they did a whole video and thanked Jock Peterson. And the fans, if you watch the video, you, you see the fans celebrating because he was such a success there in Los Angeles. But Champ is his brother, his older brother. Champ has Down syndrome. Champ is very much a part of Jock's life. In fact, they wrote a player's tribute together in which Jock talks about Champ and his, his, his involvement. And Champ is in the 
in the clubhouse all the time. He knows players and he, he understands players and talks to players and encourages players. He is an encourager. In fact, Jock's uh, rookie season, they win the, the West and, and they uh, win the region. And so they're celebrating in the locker room. One of the VPs for the Dodgers makes sure they go to the stands and get champ and brings him into the locker room. Because he encourages players, he celebrates with players. And so Jacques says, I'm sitting there trying to take in the moment. We've just won. And we're going to the playoffs. There's my teammates. And all of a sudden I see Champ over there with my teammates with goggles on. They're popping champagne and he's pouring it over his head celebrating. He said, the, the vice president of the Dodgers made sure to go find Champ and bring him into the locker room at that moment. He said, I'm not even sure if the vice president would have noticed if I wasn't in the room. But they know Champ was there. Champ's still very much part of the, the of Jock's life at Chicago Cubs. But this week when they, when they honored Jock as, and gave him his World Series ring, the Los Angeles Dodgers also gave Champ one. Because he is a part of the team. Even though he never, he never fielded a ball during a game. They gave him the privilege on, on, on Jock's uh, bobblehead night. You know, you go to a game and it's a bobblehead giveaway. And they were giving Jock's bobblehead away. They had Champ throw the ball out to the catcher. Well, the catcher that night happened to be Jock. He was so much a part of the team. They interviewed uh, Jock during the game, and you could just see this, this, this guy just smiling from ear to ear. He was proud of that world championship ring that he received from the Los Angeles Dodgers this week. And he talked about how great of an organization they were, but how proud he was to be Jock's brother. Surprised? Yes, he was. Those are moments that we, we, we love, those, those surprise moments. We cherish those stories because they are, they are powerful. They tell us just really about life. But then there are other surprises that come our way, like we, we saw this week of the, the condo come crashing down in the middle of the night. And those people, those lives... They woke up, you know, family members woke up surprised at what happened and, and grieve. This morning, I, I want you to understand a couple of things. God is never caught off guard. God is never surprised. God has never said, well, I didn't see that coming. God's never looked and thought, well, I missed that. Our God is a God who is sovereign and he shows love. He's a God who's always in control. This morning as we come to observe the Lord's Supper, Jesus knew exactly what was happening. He didn't wake up one morning and realize, oh, this is the day. As we'll see in Mark's gospel, we'll, we'll see just how much control on top of things he really was. So if you have your Bible, would you stand as we read verses 12 following? 
says, on the first day of unleavened bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, his disciples asked him, where do you want us to go and prepare the Passover so that you may eat it? He sent two of his disciples and told them, go into the city and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. Wherever he enters, tell the owner of the house. The teacher says, where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, furnished and ready. Make the preparation for us there. So the disciples went out, entered the city, and found it just as he told them, and they prepared the Passover. When the evening came, he arrived with the twelve. While they were all reclining and eating, Jesus says, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They began to be distressed and say to, to him one by one, Surely not I. And he said to them, It is one of the twelve, the one who is dipping bread in the bowl with me. For the Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for him if he had not been born. As they were eating, he took the bread, blessed it, and broke it, gave it to them and said, Take it, this is my body took the cup and after giving thanks he gave it to them and they all drank from it he said to them this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many truly I tell you I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it anew in the kingdom of God and after singing a hymn they went out to the Mount of Olives you may be seated The end of Jesus' earthly ministry is coming to a, to a close. And so he knows what's about to take place. It's that time for Passover. It's a celebration that Jews have celebrated for over 1,500 years. And it's time to celebrate that Passover. And this morning, as we look at these verses, I want to just share three, three simple truths with you. The first one is Jesus was in control. Don't miss this. Jesus was in control of what was going on. Jesus comes and, and it's that time of, of year. It's that Passover moment. He's in control. He knows what's going on. And so the disciples say to him, where do you want us to observe the Lord's Supper? And he goes and says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go to this place. You'll find a man. He doesn't tell them who the man is. Doesn't tell them, tell them much about the man other than he's carrying a jar of water. When you find that man, follow him. When he goes into the house of wherever he goes, tell the master of that house that the teacher would like to celebrate the Passover. They'll work it all out. Imagine the disciples, it's Peter and John who are going. We're to go find a man carrying a jar of water. Now the, the good thing for them, is, and the reason they probably didn't ask a lot of questions at that moment that we know of, is that men didn't typically carry the water. It was typically, typically a female's job, the servant girls. And so they think, oh, man's going to be carrying water. That'll be easier to spot than coming into Jerusalem because as Jerusalem comes at this time of season, it is packed. People are all over the place. And how are we to find this place? 
So he gives them the, the, the man, he gives them the description. But listen, he's in control. He knows what house, he knows that it's furnished. He knows everything. He's in control. Just like he's in control of your life and my life if we'll give it to him. Whether you've trusted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior or not, do you realize there's nothing that's happened in your life that he was not aware of? Now, you may not like what's happened. Trust me, there are moments in life that we would wish that the, the situation would be completely different. Parents who's lost children would say, I would trade places with them. And we do not know why they are going on the way they are, but God has never been shocked. He's never been out of control. He's always been in control. So in our weakness, if we would turn to him, he will take us. He won't, he won't make us, he won't take us to a place where, where we're no longer weak. He won't, he won't take us to a place where we can forget our burdens. But what he'll do is take that weakness, take that burden, take that pain and work through it. Because he's in control. It's when we think God's not big enough that we stop asking God's help. And I don't know about you, but every time I read God's hand in the, in the scriptures, I want that hand in control of my life. Because I know how I'll mess it up. I'll make a mess of things. Pam, you do not need to amen at that moment. But if you leave life to me, it won't go well. We may have a lot of Cheetos, but it won't be the life God wants us to have. And for some of you today, that's the only thing you need to know is God's in control because what you're facing at the moment, you're not facing it alone if you've trusted him. But will you, will you walk with him? He won't, it's not a prayer, Lord, take this from me because as we see in scripture, that doesn't happen that often. What we find more often is he walks with them and and encourages them. Oh, he can, he can make the blind see. He can, take the, he can take the heartache away. But you look at David, you look at Paul. Both of those men struggled. And God didn't just remove it. Paul even talks about the thorn in the flesh, how I struggle. God never took that away from him, but worked through it. That's what he wants to do for us. He's in control. So they come to this city. Where do you want to do it? Jesus is in control. He knows what's going to happen. He's got it all, all under control. Second thing I want you to see from this text is Jesus never surprised. There are lots of people who think they have control of things, but they're yet surprised. They eat well, they, they take care of their body, they don't eat Cheetos, they, they, they run, they do all these things and yet they still get to the doctor and he says, you've got a heart problem. You've got this. They're surprised. Jesus isn't surprised. In fact, 
We see at this moment that Jesus is aware of all that's going on. He knows Judas is going to betray him. I mean, he says as at this Lord's Supper moment that one of you will betray me. He knows. He's not caught off guard by that. In fact, he wasn't caught off guard when he sent the disciples. It wasn't like that night somebody whispered in his ear, do you realize this is about to happen? He knew long before this moment. So when he told them, hey, you're going into a city, the, one of the reasons why I think he never told them where to go was so that Judas didn't know. And Judas couldn't up his, his plan and say, we'll be at this house, come to the house and get him. Jesus knows Judas has got a, a plan and they got to figure out when to catch him. So he doesn't tell them, we'll be at this person's house. Nobody knows that. Peter and John only know go find a man with a bucket. Follow him where he goes. The rest of them are all walking with Jesus. Are we turning down this street? No, we'll go this street. What about here? No, we've got to walk another block. We've walked two blocks. Where is it? It's just around the corner. Five more minutes, men. Five more minutes. We'll be there. He's not surprised. He, he knows what he's doing. And so when you and I face trials and tribulations, would you understand he's not surprised? He's not telling you the next step because he doesn't want you to run ahead of him and mess it up. Did you catch that? Some of us are praying, God, would you just answer this? When are, when are we going to be done with this? When will we no longer have COVID? When will, we no, will I no longer be in this pain? When will, he doesn't want to tell you because you'll mess it up. We are, it, listen, we overthink everything. We, we, think we, we, we think a little bit of knowledge, we, we've got it, we can run with it. No, if we know too much, we'll mess it up. So he only gives you what you need at the time you need it. The two disciples going out, they only need, needed to know, find a man with a bucket. The rest of them, you just follow me. But where are we going? Just follow me. Well, how will we know to get there? Just follow me. Lord, when the COVID will be over, just follow me. How much pain will I have to endure? Just follow me. When will I start, stop hurting over this loss? Just follow me. When will I know what to do? Just follow me. He's never surprised. The thing we have to do is just follow. And for some of us, that's the hardest thing to do. Don't raise your hand, but some of you are sitting by somebody who loves to be in control. They've got to know everything. They ride with you on a trip with a map open just in case you make a wrong turn. They, they want to be the helper in the car. And you just say, sit back and relax. And the thing is, they can't do it. What did the doctor say? Well, what did he say this? Well, did you ask this question? No. Just follow me. 
It's not always the easiest thing to do. Because we like to be in control. But friends, when God's in control, realize he's never caught off guard. He's never surprised. He'll always lead you in the right direction. The third thing we find in this text is that Jesus establishes the Lord's Supper. He establishes the Lord's Supper. In one evening, he takes a a 1,500-year-old or better ceremony and brings it to a close and turns around and establishes a new one. See, for a Jew, the Passover was about remembering what happened in Exodus. For thousands of years, they had, they had sacrificed lambs because on that night in Exodus, they, they were told to put blood on the doorpost. And the death angel would pass over, would recognize the blood of that lamb, and that blood would, would save them. On that night in Exodus, they, everything was done in a haste, in a hurry. Here's what you do. Get it done and get ready. Get your walking shoes on. We're going. It's time to move. Over the years, the Jews had taken that hasteful moment of Exodus and brought it down and slowed it down for much more meaningful celebration. And so, this night, Jesus is going to, to establish the Lord's Supper. Now, if you read the text, and if, if you start really thinking about it, you, you, you would have this question, how is Jesus the Passover lamb if he is going to, to observe it the night before he's arrested? It's a great question. And if you read John's gospel, John's gospel gives us, you know, we start playing with time frames and trying to figure this out. So what we know is this is a Thursday night and Jesus and his disciples are going to observe the Passover. So if you were from Galilee and you, and because the city was big and lots of people coming, if you were from Galilee, you, you kind of celebrated that, that Passover on Thursday. If you were from Judea, you celebrated it on Friday because it was a two-night event. And what would happen is from the sundown to midnight, you would observe. So on this night, Jesus and his disciples celebrated it on Thursday. On Friday night, he was the, going to be the sacrificial lamb. He would be arrested. He would be beaten. He would be headed to the cross. So on this night, they gather in this room. And it's a several step process in it. They, there were four cups of wine you would have. They would be diluted to keep people from, from getting drunk, but it was diluted. And so you would come in and you would take your first drink and kind of everybody got prepared. Second step in the process was you'd wash your hands. And, and it's not like they came in with dirty hands, but there was this, it was just a ceremonial washing of hands to, re, to remind yourself you, you are cleansing yourself. 
It's probably at this time where there's a little bit of discussion going on with the disciples of who's the greatest. And then we find in John's gospel, Jesus finally saying, let me show you. And he gets down and he washes their feet as well. And you would come back and you'd have your, you'd have flatbread. It wasn't the unleavened bread, but it would be flatbread and your second glass of wine. And with that flatbread, you'd be tearing it off and there'd be mixing bowls. And depending on the large group, you might have multiple bowls there. But in the, in the bowl would be like a paste. It would be uh, grapes that were being uh, ground up with nuts and things. And it, was, it would be a paste and you would... You would take your bread and you'd put it in there and you'd dip it. It's at this moment that maybe, um, we're not exactly sure when Jesus looks and says, one of you will betray me, but it's, it's, it's feasible at this moment that that's when that happens because this is a part of the, the moment. And certainly nobody in the room believes it's them. I mean, they all, is it I? Nobody suspects Judas. I mean, they give him the money. He's holding the money back. So if, if, if they thought he was a traitor, do you think you'd give your money? I mean, anybody giving your money to a traitor? So it's probably at that moment that Jesus does that. Then you come to this moment and you have, some, you, you have a, a song. They would sing a couple of hymns. Take their third glass. Uh, drink of wine. They'd have bitter herbs remind them of their their exodus, the heartache and what they go through. And then the, the head of the house would stand up. And they would begin to to tell why we celebrate the Passover. To ensure that everybody knows that this is a holy moment. A moment in which we remember what God has done. They would have the lamb and the unleavened bread. They finished that portion. They would, they would sing a couple more songs. Or finish their songs. Have their last cup of wine. And would leave. Everything about that moment was a holy moment. But Jesus was about to bring that thought process to close. You no longer will be thinking about the exodus and the bitterness, but now you'll see the Passover lamb in something even greater. Because he knew what was about to happen. He knew leaving that moment, Judas was already gone. They would find him. They would arrest Jesus. There would be a confrontation there. Peter would pull a sword, cut off an ear of somebody. Jesus would pick it up and look at Peter and go, no, that's not how we do this. Put the ear back on. And Jesus would find himself in front of the high priest. Are you the son of God? 
Before it was all said and done, in the blink of an eye, the disciples would be standing at his feet while he's hanging on a cross, paying for the sins of this world. Praise be to God, he didn't leave, stay there. They took him off that cross, so the, put him in a borrowed man's tomb or a borrowed grave and tomb three days later. He did as he proclaimed he would do. He restored the temple of God in a completely different way. And he came to give us life everlasting. So no matter what we face, no matter what we do, God is in control. He's never been surprised. And he has created this new covenant for all. You go, well, I'm not good enough. Yes, you are. God loves you. And oh, he may not like the sin in your life. He may not like what you've done. But he's here to give you love and forgiveness. The thieves on the cross, one of them, an anger wanted off, get us off. The other one said, forgive us. I deserve to be here, you don't. And it's in that moment that Jesus looks at the one and says, today you'll be with me in paradise. If you can be like the thief on the cross, realizing you deserve hell, but acknowledge his grace, he's sovereign and his love is greater than any sin you have in your life. So this morning we come to observe the Lord's Supper. As you came in this morning, you had the opportunity to pick up a, a cup and a juice. If you didn't, if you just slip your hand up right now, we'll make sure you get one. We don't want someone not to have one. If you take the top cup out, you find underneath it the, the wafer. It's a reminder for us. We, we don't have to take those bitter herbs. We don't have to have the paste of all the things any longer because Jesus establishing the Lord's Supper reminds us it's about the broken body and the blood shed for our sins. And so this morning as believers, we can gather in this room and, and we can confess by rem this remembrance of the Lord's Supper that Christ died for our sins. That every sin we've committed to this point and beyond have been paid for by the blood of Christ, by the broken body. And so this morning as we gather, what I'm going to ask you to do is just take a moment. There where you are, take a moment and pray over the, over the, the bread, the wafer. Would you thank God for, for loving you enough to send his one and only son? For loving you to the point that he went to the cross for you. Would you do that right now?
Father, in this moment, we, we remember this observance of the Lord's Supper. We remember the great love that you have for us. We are so unworthy of that love, but you loved us so much you sent your one and only Son. As we partake of this Lord's Supper, remind us that your love covers our sins. Your grace forgives us and encourages us. May we walk faithfully before you. For it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Would you take that cracker and would you take and eat? So I told you the, the elements in which they would go. There was the, the lamb and the, and, the, and the unleavened bread and the, and the wine. But see, today we only have to remember the broken body and the blood. And so the, the cup reminds us of that. Reminds us of the bloodshed. The agony, the pain that Jesus goes through just to show his love for, to us. And so as we take, would you again give thanks to God for all that he's done. Maybe in your life, seeing you through rescuing you, redeeming you. Would you give him thanks? Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for the way you walk with us, the way you've not just rescued us once, but you rescue and redeem us and forgive us each day. We thank you for loving us. May we in turn show the world your love. We love you and we thank you. Amen. Take and drink. One of the things I do around our staff is I try to help make sure everybody has their heart in working order. And one of the ways I do that is I catch them off guard and I, I walk up behind them and say, how are you doing? And they all have, I can testify, they all have good hearts. I've been known to throw a firecracker lit into Greg's um, sitting at the piano in the, in the choir room just to make sure his heart's still working. Our new custodian, Nelson, he doesn't get an exemption either. I've, I've caught him off guard and, and he jumps. I like to make sure everybody has a great working heart. But let me, let me tell you, the, the one on staff that I have the hardest time catching is Laura. I think she's got a heart, so I don't think that's the issue. I, I see her heart in things. But most of the time, I don't catch her. I've caught her maybe once, and I've tried multiple times. In fact, some of you know the story. I was standing in this room one time trying to catch her. 
she came out the hallway, going up the hallway. I thought, oh, this is my chance. Her back is to me. I'll catch her for sure today. I bolted through those doors. Hey, Laura. I didn't know our former pastor was with her, Bill Whitaker, and he jumped about as high as you can. His heart worked that day. I was a little nervous that maybe it would stop, but it worked that day. Laura just kept walking. See, Laura's not easily surprised. I don't want you to be surprised when it comes to God's love. God loves you no matter what you've done. He sent his one and only son to die for you. Don't be caught off guard. Don't be surprised by that. Acknowledge he loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. All he asks in return, you love him back and follow him. So today, if you've never confessed Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, today is the day. Don't leave this place. You're not promised tomorrow. Yes, God is in control, but you can make a bad mistake. You, you, you can turn your car right into something. You, something can happen. Don't leave without trusting Christ. If you've never trusted Christ, it's not, a, it's not a secret handshake. It's not a certain word. It's just by you repenting and saying, I'm sorry. I need to be forgiven. And asking God to do that. So this morning, if you're here and you've never confessed Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, would you do that today? Maybe you're here and there are other decisions on your heart to join our church family. Would you do that today? You can, you can come here and, and, and meet me here or you can go out and see our uh, Mike and JJ, our pastors out in the hall here. But would you respond? Would you respond to a God who loves you? Loves you so much he sent his one and only son for you. Would you stand with us as we sing?